Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed in medical school. And now here's your host, Patrick Beeman. All right, we are back with part two of our renal review with Dustin Williams from Online MedEd. You can tell we love Dustin and Online MedEd not only because of Dustin's slightly edgy sense of humor and approach, but also because Online MedEd is devoted to changing how medical education is approached, how medical schools deliver it, and how students learn it. It's about the time where you're going to start your clerkships, so if you haven't gone to onlinemeded.org and created an account so that you can watch some of the best highest yield video lectures for your third year clerkships for free, you are missing out on what is fast becoming an essential resource for success in third year. The student testimonials speak for themselves. One said, online meded is amazing. I got a 215 on step one. Then I started OME partway through my third year and got a 255 on step two, literally because of this study program. And my favorite, the new gold standard for third year rotations. Online meded is to third year as Pathoma is to second year, an absolute requirement. And we think this is absolutely true here at Inside the Boards. Online meded doesn't pay me to say this. I just think their approach is excellent, not only because they give like so much away for free, but because it is so high quality. And I know Dustin, Jamie, and the rest of the team at Online MedEd are committed to your success. Learn everything you need and nothing you don't. You can do that with Online MedEd. The backbone of Online MedEd's platform 
Dustin's high-yield video lectures are available for free to subscribers, but you can also get a very affordable premium subscription with no video ads, unlimited downloads of Dustin's notes for the videos, their flashback app with over 10,000 flashcards for third-year comprehensive clinical cases, downloadable audio for the video lectures, and a QBank with over 1,200 questions. And if you've heard Dustin on the previous episodes dissecting questions, pointing out the high yield points in the vignettes, and helping you with your strategy, then you know that these are high quality, will help you do well on your shelf exams and on step two. So, onlinemedad.org. Also, as a reminder, our All Audio QBank is slated for release around mid-August. We've got a version for first and second years and one for third years. But we are taking a limited number of students for our beta test group until July 1st. Go to patreon.com slash inside the boards or our website insidetheboards.com for details. Finally, we are going to conclude the Study Smarter series next week with an episode, two-part episode, from Lecturio, delving into some pathology. And after that, we are going to go on a hiatus until about July 21st, so we can devote our time to producing the all-audio QBank. Goes without saying, I am so thankful for everybody who's listened to this and shared it with their friends. The Study Smarter series has been a huge success. Um, we've got three times the number of listeners than I thought we would, more than three times actually. And it's really encouraging to myself, Stuart, and Elizabeth to continue producing this podcast for your learning pleasure. So, on that note, if you have any ideas on what you want to hear on this show, until the end of the year, send an email to podcast at insidetheboards.com with your suggestions, whatever they might be. And if you do like this show and you want to see it continue to grow and improve, don't forget, if you have suggestions for the show, you could leave us a review on iTunes with those suggestions. It will help us in the rankings and stand out as the best free audio resource for medical education. We'll get right back in to the kidney with Dustin Williams. A 20-year-old man who comes to the emergency department, of course, because of hemoptysis and respiratory distress. His past medical history is significant for positive serologic assays for anti-glomerular basement membrane antibodies. His temperature is 38.8 Celsius, which is 101.8 Fahrenheit. Pulse is 100. Respirations are 30 per minute, and blood pressure is 120 over 60. Pulse oximetry is 98% on 6 liters of oxygen by nasal cannula, and his Glasgow Coma Scale is 15 of 15. Oh, good. Uh, good air entry bilaterally, occasional. On physical exam, there is good air entry bilaterally. Occasional bibasilar crackles and scattered wheezes are heard on auscultation. 
urinalysis shows hematuria and non-nephrotic range proteinuria. An arterial blood gas taken on admission shows a uh, PaO2 of 69 millimeters of mercury. And the question is, which of the following is the most appropriate initial treatment for this patient? A, cyclophosphamide. B, fosinopril. C, intubate and ventilate with high peak end expiratory pressure. D, nifedipine with metoprolol or E, prednisone. Okay. Um, using, this is a poorly written question, um, intubate and ventilate with high peak and expiratory pressure is obviously the, obviously the right answer or obviously the wrong answer because it's the only one that's not a medication. So it's, it's either too long to be wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, so cyclophosphamide is used in the treatment of good pastors, I think. It's, it's sort of like the anti-inflammatory thing. So let's put a maybe. Facinopril ACE inhibitor only used in inflammatory kidney disease and scleroderma renal crisis. This is not that to get off. Oh, and I should say they gave us anti-GBM antibodies, hematuria, and hemoptysis. It's good posture disease. Yep. The, Sorry, yeah, that's good to mention that because I yeah. was just like, oh, obviously anti-GBM. That's good posture. Right. Yeah. But. Right. So, and, and, I, and that's actually, again, why I read the question first, because like they tell you right off the bat, this is good pastors. And they basically say, okay, how do you treat it? Um, and they didn't give us a creatinine. So, uh, I don't know what's going on with that. Nifedipine and metoprolol. I don't know any time those two would be used together. together. <laughs> <laughs> They're both anti-anginals. So I suppose that if someone were presenting with stable angina, um, you could use both to control blood pressure and reduce anginal symptoms, but that's right off. So B and D are done. E, uh, prednisone. Um, almost always the right answer, corticosteroids, for um, em emergent treatment of uh, inflammatory disease. So it's to me, it's between E and C. Um, I look at his PaO2, and it was somewhere around 70. Yeah, 69. All right, and he's on six liters. And satting at 98. So that's yeah, that's about appropriate. PaO2, Respirations are 30. Um, yeah, so I mean, honestly... This is, I'm trying to think of this as how what I would do clinically. He's alert and oriented. He's young, breathing fast. I'd want to see the pH and his pCO2 because he's breathing fast before I decide to intubate the guy. But I have a feeling they're trying to imply hypoxemia. But man, you got like a non-rebreather and a face tent to go. Um, they didn't really sell the hypoxemia too hard, but I bet they're going to get it something to do with um, – good pastors can rapidly progress and da 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 so you'd intubate first protect the airway and then give prednisone but i wouldn't give med i wouldn't give prednisone i'd give methylprednisolone iv so yes. i mean this is a tough one and i'm trying to talk my way into either one and i think i'm going to go with c and intubate you are methylone. you are correct and i'll give yeah. you the um the distractors are a little well number one there's d should you shouldn't really have complex distractors when there are simple ones like nifedipine yeah. and metoprolol with single things and then a mix of procedures and medications. Right. Yeah. The point is they're trying to paint a picture in this vignette of somebody who has impending respiratory um, decompensation and whether or not that is done as well as it, it could be as arguable, but that's the point in general on multiple choice questions within medicine is don't forget the ABCs regardless. Like it's just such a crappy feeling when 
you leave a test and you're like, you remember a vignette and you're like, oh, sweet, good pastures. I know that like, you know, you can treat that with uh, cyclophosphamide and, and steroids and I chose steroids, but then you're like, oh, wait, does he have good pastures? But he was also like, he was also not breathing at all or just had cardiac arrest and maybe I should yeah. put that AED on him. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yes. So don't forget the ABCs. This answer is intubation, essentially. Although clinically you may, you know, like you said, there are some probably intermediary steps you could do before going with the tube. Right. And so that, that's the thing that frustrates me. I, I, I kind of got the gist of that was the question they were going for. You know, if this was an 80-year-old person, respiration's 30 a minute, then I'd be more concerned. At six liters, there's a lot of intermediate steps you can do. And I don't think that good pastures is rapidly progressive like that. Like, it happens. But maybe they're talking about, well, I guess they say respiratory distress. And actually, if you haven't been in an ICU setting, you know, where the numbers are so deranged, I sort of have like a, a tacit, an intuition to numbers now. Um, these numbers aren't good if you're a second year medical student. They're an NBD if you're working in a hospital and are in an ICU. So I guess they actually are implying respiratory failure in BC. I think for step one, the main thing is to know that good pastures is primary renal and pulmonary disease and anti-GBM antibodies, right? I, I'm trying to think like, I would say those are the highlights. So Yeah, so it's, it's good pastures. Anti-GBM, hemoptysis, hematuria, Wegener's, hemoptysis, hematuria, and something to do with the sinus passages, C. anca, and apparently now also protonase 3. <laughs> we'll just keep reviewing that. And, and really, when it comes to studying renal for step one level, diagnosis is going to be way more important. Your ability to recognize and diagnose these syndromes than uh, knowing how to treat them. Um, so if, if you're you know, a couple of weeks away and you feel like renal is your weak point, um, focus on those highlights and, and recognizing what you need to, in order to diagnose these diseases. Anything else to say you think about good pastors? Yeah, literally hemoptysis, hematuria, GBM. <laughs> All right, cool. If only it were always that easy. Uh, okay, 20-year-old guy comes to the office because he has been getting short of breath during his usual exercise routine. He reports seeing blood in his urine a few times in the last month and has noticed that his eyes tend to swell for no apparent reason. His serum creatinine is 2.5 and blood urea nitrogen is 26. Which of the following would most likely be seen on histologic examination of a renal specimen? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the biopsy result, right? Things that, that I'm sure you think about that keep you up at night. A, crescent shape of the glomeruli. B, increased density of the mesangium. C, lipid droplets. D, subendothelial deposits. Or E, a tram tracking of the basement membrane okay i do not know this answer um i thought crescentic uh, focal segmental sensitive something it's something with hiv and hep c it doesn't have any of that um increased density of the mesangium uh i don't know what that means lipid droplets um that's focal segmental glomerular sclerosis yes Crescentic something, 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 something. I forget what that's related to. Subendothelial deposits. I think that's actually like immune complex deposition. Yes. And then tram tracking. 
trim. It's like a very specific thing. It's some member of proliferative glomerulonephritis. Yep. So I remember what three of these things might be associated with. And the kid is 20 and he has exercise induced hematuria with nephrotic syndrome. I was actually looking for minimal change disease, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> because he was sort of young. His, and his eye, what he said, his eyes tend to swell for no apparent reason. I'm not even going to take a stab at this because I'd be randomly guessing. I literally do not have any idea. All right. So, I go, oh, wait, maybe it's which one of these is a nephrotic syndrome? No, no, they're all they're all nephrotic syndrome. I don't know. No, I don't know. Crescent shape of the glomeruli because this guy has good pastor's syndrome. What? I know. That's what they're saying because he's getting short of breath, right, during his usual exercise routine. So they're adding the exercise routine because I think they're trying to make you not think he's got respiratory issues. And then he's see seeing his blood in his urine a few times in the last month. So if you notice, actually, I think this is very illustrative not to um, point out your faults, but you said he has exercise-induced hematuria. That is not like exactly what this says, but, oh, yeah. I but read definitely yeah. Yeah. what we do a lot of times when we're reading vignettes, right? Because yep. exercise is the end of one sentence, and then they're mentioning hematuria. It's very easy to read quickly and, and to make that association, and, and then that can change the whole thought process. Now, granted, you're not reading these, so... Yeah, but I wrote down exercise-induced... Hematuria <laughs> as like the summary of what you were saying. So I totally did that. I mean, you're human. We all make mistakes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that is a good point though. Like just be careful, like missing a small insignificant word, like a no, um, uh, can be mm -hmm. very uh, consequential. Yeah. Your eyes, as you read, if you learn to read quickly, you are, your, your brain interprets words that aren't there to connect them. Yeah. And the test is not supposed to do that things to you, but they might actually put an up and a, or a down and a no that's actually super important. Right. And you blow over it because you've already locked in the diagnosis. I had no idea what was going on. So I was trying to like summarize the, the major points as you were reading. And it, um, I just, I actually, I still wouldn't have gotten it right, by the way. So, but, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I did. I definitely made that mistake. And that's, that's, that can be potentially dangerous. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I actually, this is a problem I personally had. So here's some practical advice. I mean, this sounds like no duh, but when it came to in-house tests in medical school, I noticed a lot of times when we'd go to the test reviews, the things I would miss would be just that. Like I didn't read the last word on the second line of a vignette, which was super important, or I didn't read the no, and I interpreted the statement, whatever it was, as positive, or I did some sort of cognitive elision between one sentence and another and created my own vignette in my mind that wasn't the vignette on the page. So what I started doing when it came to test taking 
pretty much for the most part, just as habit, I'd follow the vignette with like a, a pointer, like a pencil or a pen. I don't know if I still do that. I haven't had to take a written test in thankfully like two years. But, you know, if you find yourself doing that, uh, the U world or other QBank questions that you miss, I either really slow down or I guess follow along the vignette with like a pointer to keep yourself or to encourage yourself to be more active. Or if you feel confused, because that was another thing. Sometimes, and you can't take long to do this, but I would get to the end of a question and I would feel like Dustin just described like, oh man, I have no idea. And if you have no idea, sometimes that is just maybe you didn't study that you don't remember, but sometimes it is because you missed something. So it's not a bad idea to systematically, if you have that sort of sense of, oh man, I'm so confused, go back and read the vignette real slowly line by line. And then if you get to the end of it and you don't have an answer, then guess and move on. Because I think I've definitely picked up. I think that's actually the good advice right there, right? When I reach the end of something, especially in the new tests, and I'm like, what? (laughs) I would just put C, flag it to review at the end, move on. I wouldn't even reread. Um, I think that that question would uh, take too long to go over again. And I'll be honest, as I've developed my skills in question writing, I've also developed my skills in question taking. Absolutely. Um, I finished my internal medicine boards in something like three hours, and it's a nine-hour exam. I would read the question first, read the answer choices, and then just go through the, the vignette, picking up the things that I needed. And no doubt, I missed, I messed something, right? Like, I messed up because I just did it here. But I was so good at it that I could, you know, my failure rate was so low that it didn't matter, right? So I can get through the test very quickly. And if I came upon those, what the f- are you talking about? I would just put C, flag it, move on. And at the end of the block of questions, I can go back to the flags. Yeah. Um, and there's usually two or three. And then I, w- I would do that. I would read it slow. I know I've got a lot of time left in my block. I'm done. I'm not going to waste time on this question. So I would really go slow through it. And I think almost always, it was just something I didn't know, or the right answer was a word I didn't recognize, yeah. like serum immunofixation for an SPEP. I wanted an SPEP versus SPEP. I, didn't know I think you brought that up in our last interview. You're still bitter over that. <laughs> All right, so really quick, the increased density of the mesangium, that was choice B. That is associated with membranoproliferative glomerulonephritis. So you're looking for massive proteinuria, hypoalbuminemia, and edema with that. Lipid droplets, that's associated with focal segmental glomerulosclerosis. I said the wrong word. Yes, sclerosis, that's right. No, actually, I think you said the correct one, because I usually say focal, seg- in my mind, I'm always thinking focal segmental glomerulonephritis. Nephrit- right, but it's sclerosis. It is sclerosis. D, subendothelial deposits. You are right. It was immune. It has something to do with immune <laughs> complex deposition. Also, remember, no proliferative glomerulonephritis. And tram track of the basement membrane. Guess where that's expected? Membrano proliferative glomerulonephritis, uh, which is, I think, just a visual description of the subendothelial deposits. It's interesting because I think you said glomer- proliferative glomerulonephritis three times with three different answers. Yeah, because I think it's just uh, what's seen on histologic examination of a kidney biopsy specimen, these three kind of things, subendothelial deposits, so-called tram tracking of the basement membrane, 
and mesangial expansion or increased density of the mesangium. Like those are all features of membranoproliferative glomerulonephritis. What is with renal and how long other diseases and terms are? Well, what I was going to say is if you were well studied and you knew that three of the answers corresponded to the same diagnosis, you mm-hmm. could strike them all off instantaneously. Yep and drop this down to A versus C. Now, I did not know that, so it it didn't help me. But if you have recently looked at a table of the biopsy findings, this would actually be a pretty easy question because without even having the vignette, you're between A and C. Absolutely. So that's excellent strategy as well. But mainly this is vocab because I, you aren't looking at these beforehand, but I'm doing a quick review of some renal things before we talk because Again, as I probably say it on every podcast, I am just an OBGYN. So rapidly progressive nephritis, all these uh, nephritides, glomerulosclerosis, not my world, thankfully. Although my best friend wanted to do a renal fellowship, and I think there's something wrong with him. It's only two years. Well, that's true. That's nice. One more, because it's essential that we have to discuss this. A 15-year-old girl comes to the office because of blood in her urine for a day. She says she's also noticed that her ankles are swollen and that she's never experienced anything like this before. Medical history includes a sore throat approximately two weeks ago. Her temperature is 36.8 degrees Celsius, which is 98 Fahrenheit. Pulse is 87. Respirations are 18 per minute. And her blood pressure is 145 over 92. Examination shows... One plus lower leg edema bilaterally. And the interrogatory is which of the following serum studies is most likely to be elevated? A. Amyloid. B. Antiglomerular basement membrane antibodies. C. Antistreptolysin O. D. Complement. Or E. Immunoglobulin A. Okay, I actually thought this was going to be preeclampsia. I couldn't understand why we were talking about renal disease. But this makes sense. Um, <laughs> we're in the renal section. Blood pressure is elevated, lower leg edema. And she's not so pregnant. She's, right. Or at and least yeah, we don't know that she is. Oh, well, yeah. We hope that a UPT has been done. So this is um, the same thing, the sore throat, the pharyngitis with um, now some sort of protein, kidney disease. And sore throat URI plus kidney disease, as we talked before, is either IgA nephropathy or post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis. Since we already had a question on IgA nephropathy, I bet this is post-streptococcal <laughs> glomerulonephritis. So, if only it were answer, that easy on uh, step yeah, one. Right. So the, 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 the true thing, so if I didn't, we, we didn't already have a question, um, I'd be talking about getting um, serum immunoglobulin A levels versus the anti-streptolysin O, um, serum immunoglobulin A for IgA nephropathy, and then anti-streptolysin O for post-strep. Amyloid deposition is going to be in people with amyloidosis or people who are on dialysis, old people. That's not that. Antiglomerular basement membrane, as we discussed, is good pastors. There needs to be hemoptysis and hematuria. Complement and kidney disease is usually associated, I think, with things like immune deposition, like lupus, and a complement level would be decreased. decreased. Yeah. And so the question asks, which is like it to be elevated? So really, it's a, basically which of these tests is going to give you the answer. The pharyngitis versus the URI is helpful because strep causes strep throat, which is a pharyngitis, so I would pick anti-streptolysin O. But I think we even learned earlier in the podcast, serum IgA doesn't necessarily increase in IgA nephropathy. So even if you couldn't choose between the two, you still should pick anti-streptolysin O. 
And you are correct. Look at that. Look at that. So, yes, important highlights. Post-strap glomerulonephritis, 10 to 14 days, develops after a group A beta-hemolytic streptococcal infection, usually of the upper respiratory tract, i.e. pharyngitis, or skin infection, which has multiple names like a cellulitis or erysipelas or impetigo is also, I think, caused by strep as well, right? So serum levels of anti-streptin lysin O will be elevated. And I would say that's probably the most important things to know for post-strep glomerulonephritis. What we did forget to mention, though, was that um, IgA nephropathy is also called Berger's disease. I, I totally forgot to mention that. And it's the most common cause of glomerulonephritis worldwide. So that was choice E. That can be the, the take-home for this renal section. There are many, many more renal diseases that we could go through, but we will leave it there for now. Cause I got to be honest, I'm pretty burned out. I mean, this is a really too. hard one. This yeah, is like, kidney is hard. And so I need people to hear that, hey, if you're struggling with pathology in the kidney, don't worry about it. It's hard. So yeah, <laughs> sometimes it may not be worth the squeeze, right? You got like probably one giant table and first aid that's there. And man, if you're looking at it being like, that's a whole lot to remember, you're probably not going to get a whole lot of questions just on glomerulonephritis. So try to remember like the hematuria, hemoptysis, good pastures, hematuria, hemoptysis, and the sinus drag, Wagner's, <laughs> and strep throat, plus kidney thing, post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis, anti and so, right? Yeah. Like, try to get this just those loose word associations. And even if you get burned by it, man, the time you save trying to actually memorize all this stuff, I, I don't think it's worth the squeeze in the test. I mean, we probably should have mentioned something about minimal change disease, um, pediatrics, pediatric nephrotic syndrome with effacement of the podocyte foot processes. That's what I was trying to think of earlier. There we go. Yep, that's right. But, uh, Dustin, thank you so much. I can't wait till we can get into some third-year content probably in a couple months. What's your favorite subject like to teach? That's uh, um, internal medicine. <laughs> uh, that's unfair, though. How about uh, by organ system? <laughs> you know, I don't really have um, a favorite one. Um, I've oh, turned come out on. to, But the ones that I actually like to teach the most in clinical medicine are going to be cardiology and nephrology. One, cardiology, because I've pretty much been regulated to the cardiac <laughs> floor. So we see it a lot. And I yeah. think heart failure is really complicated. And two, kidney, clinical medicine, because I have my Katrina switch advanced organizer, uh, it can be used to explain uh, lots of dis disorders of sodium, potassium, renal failure, hypertension, CHF. Right? So the, the same advanced organizer, the same picture can be used in multiple ways to describe lots of things. And I actually like showing students that this one picture is the foundation for like nine of different diseases of all that I know about. And if you can just own the system, this one picture, you can treat multiple diseases. So yeah. And, and you did kind of actually go through that in our, um, our prior podcast that we did on endocrine. So yeah. check that one out. And don't forget, once you finish step one and you have your three days to recover before going to the wards, go to onlinemeta.org and sign up for a premium account. And tell them inside the board sent you so that the good love and goodwill continues. Thanks. Sounds good to me. All right. Great well, being here. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And thanks to James from 2 O'Clock Courage for letting us use the opening track, which is the Valentine Blast Furnace. 
off 2016's album Missalette. You can check Two O'Clock Courage, the best band you've never heard of, at twooclockcourage.com or on iTunes or Spotify. Inside the Boards is in no way affiliated with the United States Medical Licensing Examination, Comprehensive Osteopathic Medical License Examination, National Board of Medical Examiners, the National Council of State Boards of Nursing, National Board of Osteopathic Medical Examiners, or any other licensing or examination body. All exam names and other trademarks are the property of the respective trademark owners. Content discussed during the program is the property of Inside the Boards, or the attributed trademark owner and may not be reproduced without permission from the appropriate entity. Inside the Boards fully adheres to the respective policies on irregular behavior outlined by the aforementioned credentialing bodies.